You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first round draft pick Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. What's going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome into Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective. A little Sunday afternoon matinee, if you will, and taking a look at East Carolina hoops set back on Saturday afternoon when the Pirates fell to the SMU Mustangs. Definitely one of the top teams in the American, uh, in, in my opinion, talented enough to maybe to push uh, Memphis and FAU and some of the other teams at the top of this league as the season wears on, and uh, we shall see. But um, to take a look back at that one, as well as a look ahead, I'm joined by Matt Semenza. Matt, how are you? Bubba, doing great, buddy. Uh, obviously a tough game yesterday, and you know we've talked about before that the margin of error for this team is so small. And uh, to beat a team like SMU, we're going to have to play a really great game and just unfortunately yesterday just came up short in too many areas uh, against a very good team. Yeah. SMU 11 and five, I think two and one now in the American, if I'm not mistaken. And um, we'll talk more about the league as a whole as the show goes on. And, um, and also, you know, that uh, depth concern, um, especially when you have someone like Quentin DeBunge, who's capable of, you know, knocking down three or four threes and having a game like he did it down in Boca against Florida Atlantic when he put up 13 points and um, and then went down with that ankle injury. Uh, he's been in that walking boot for the last, you know, probably week and a half or so now. And uh, fingers crossed, maybe he can be back on Wednesday against North Texas or at the very least on um, next weekend. But um, taking a look at this one, I mean, the Mustangs essentially led wire to wire. East Carolina held a Two to nothing advantage there in the, the first minute or two of the game. But, um, you know, from, you know, about the 1750 mark on of the first half, it was all all Mustangs, um, you know, as far as having having that lead. And, and you know, as as the first half went on, uh, the Pirates, after falling behind by eight, we sliced the deficit down to two. Uh, but then – SMU, um, they started knocking down some threes. The Pirates had some live ball turnovers. It's kind of a perfect storm for uh, SMU to to have a 13 to two run that pushed their lead out to, I want to say, uh, 13 at 33 to 20 there, um, probably 12 or 13 minutes into the half. And the Pirates were able to uh, to trim it down to nine at the break, but then right after halftime, SMU was scorching hot from deep. And uh, knock knock down several three pointers and pushed their their lead out to eighteen. Yeah, they sure were. I mean, they shot very well. Um, and and there were several times in the game where we were able to, you know, to get 
get within striking distance, get it to six points, eight points. But it seemed like every time we did, they were just so so dynamic from behind the perimeter. They would just hit one or two threes and get the get the lead back up to double digits, and we just couldn't recover. So, you know, Bubba, I think a lot of that stuff is listen. As Mike Schwartz said after the game, they are a very good team. They're they're long. I mean, they have so much length. They really give you problems defensively. But um, when they shoot like that, it's going to be very tough to beat them. And you know, so so they can beat you on their own. But you know, in addition, unfortunately, we had some some so many self inflicted wounds in that game. Uh, in particular, the offensive rebounding in the first half our inability to, to, to box out and, and keep them off the glass was a huge factor. And, you know, some of that stuff is, is a little misleading when you look at the box score because on a few of those offensive rebounds, they were taking th- uh, deep threes that clanked off the rim and it turns into a long rebound. So you're in position, but it's a long rebound. Can't do much about those. But in other situations, it was just simply a case of, you know, at being out of position and, and not being fundamentally sound. And you just can't do that against a really good team. And I think that to me, Bubba, when I watched, you know, now that we're, you know, however many games we are into the season, 15 games, um, that seems to be the biggest issue with this team is keeping teams off the offensive glass. Yeah, Coach Schwartz, that's one of the very first things he mentioned in, in his post-game press conference, um, those nine offensive rebounds that SMU um, was able to pull down in the first half. He also referenced our inability in the first half to take care of the basketball um, in those victories against Tulsa and Temple. The Pirates had just nine and ten turnovers, respectively. But yesterday in the first half, uh, when – SMU was really able to uh, kind of build that um, double-digit margin fairly quickly uh, when the Pirates had those seven turnovers, many of which I already referenced were live ball um, turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. And those those self-inflicted wounds are just – it's going to be tough to beat a team of that caliber when you do those things. And so, you know, it's the, the, the turnovers, the, the, the rebounding and – and obviously the three-point shooting, Bubba. And I know you're going to get into the stats, but uh, you know we were two for 17 from behind the arc, and that's just not going to get it done. And, and you know, again, you got to give some credit to SMU because they made things really challenging for us on the perimeter, especially with Brandon Johnson. I mean, they were not going to let him get a clean look from three, um, and, and he really didn't the entire game. Um, and I think Mike Schwartz and his staff, they did the right thing. You know, when somebody's really heavying, heavying up on the perimeter, you try to pump the ball down low, and they did that successfully with, with Ezra. But, you know, two for 17 is just not going to get it done. You're going to have to find a way to make some threes. Yeah, you kind of read my mind. That's where I was going next as far as Brandon Johnson's game yesterday. Brandon's been so consistent for East Carolina this year. Um, yesterday – was just the second game that he's not scored in double figures. Uh, his previous season low was nine. Yesterday, he only had five points. And his first field goal um, against SMU yesterday came with – it was a putback with just three and a half minutes left to go in the game. Yeah, yeah, just obviously a really tough day for him. But, you know, like Mike Schwartz said, give SMU credit. I mean, they did what they had to do. And, you know, I think – 
now that that's on film, you know, I, I think other teams are going to try to replicate that. They're going to try to get up on him on the perimeter. So it's up to East Carolina now to make some adjustments. And, and maybe in that situation, maybe you put him down in the post a little bit more and, and try to spread the floor from there. But, um, you know, I think, like I said, now that that's on film, I think that's going to be the game plan is to really make sure he doesn't get clean looks from, from behind the arc. You talk about that small margin for air, uh, you know, when you're without a Quentin Abuja who has that ability to get hot and, you know, score points and spurts, um, like we already referenced, um, he did against Florida Atlantic the last time he played. Um, and, you know, earlier this year in a game against a, a little bit lesser competition, he he had 27 points uh, and you know, something like that. And, you know, when you take away a Brandon Johnson, you know, you, Brandon's been so consistent, you know, he's going to have an off night. I mean, there's just the second time all year that he's failed to score double figures, which is amazing. And here we, here we are, I guess now what, 17 games in. And uh, so. Right. Yeah, exactly. And really just such a tough break for Dabunje, man. I mean, I really, I hate it for him because he did some things against FAU that we've been kind of waiting on. You know, he played very aggressively in that game. He was attacking the basket. He was aggressive. Um, you know, he wasn't hesitant at all. And it's unfortunate that that was the game he tweaks the ankle because it really looked like the light went on for him. And to your point, Bubba, I mean, without his scoring off the bench, you really start to, to look very uh, thin offensively without that extra – bench scoring and it really bit us last night um you, you know in a lot of ways and um against a team like that you really need his athleticism speaking of bench scoring there's essentially been no bench scoring for east carolina outside of that um, game against florida atlantic where the pirates i think did produce about 20 points off the bench but um those other four games out of the last five the pirates have scored five or less um, bench points in each of those, um, including just a combined 12 bench points in the last three games. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. That's just not going to get it done. It just, um, you know, it's just not a good recipe. And, and, you know, with this team, like, like I, you know, we've said it a few times, the margin for error is so thin because defensively, you know, on most nights, our defense is going to keep us in the game. It's going to keep us within striking distance it's really a, a, a more of an issue with offense. Can we score enough points against these good teams? And obviously last night, we, you know, we couldn't get that done. And, um, you know, it really put Mike Schwartz in a bind because, <clears throat> you know, his ability, he was trying to mix and match offense and defensive possessions, and he had to take Pettiford out a lot, um, play LeCount more for, like, his defensive presence. And it really put a strain on – you know, what he was trying to do. He, you know, obviously we, we are a man-to-man -man team, but he was forced to go into a zone there in the second half. And uh, within a few minutes, they shot us right out of that zone. So, um, you know, you, you just have to find, have to try to find a way to, to, to get stops and then get more offense. One guy who was able to get it done uh, had a at least a season high and perhaps a career high yesterday – and that was Ezra Asar. Ezra, 25 points, eight rebounds. 
Yeah, he was awesome yesterday, Bubba. I mean, he was he was really he was really good. He played strong down low. Um, his free throw shooting is improving. You know, he gets to the line so often. So if he can become an excellent free throw shooter, he's going to be a real weapon. But uh, yeah, really nice strategy. I mean, again, if you're going to heavy up on the perimeter against us and try to take away Brandon Johnson, that leaves you to force the ball down low to Ezra and allow him to uh, operate in the paint. And that's what he did. Really nice job out of him. Um, you know, I think he had, what, 25 points yesterday? So good performance there. Yeah, I think his previous high had been 24. Uh, I believe that came against USC Upstate. But Coach Schwartz referenced that, and exactly what you just said in the, in the post-game press conference, and that was with them taking away the perimeter. He said they do a tremendous job of, of defending – and we'll talk more about SMU and everything they present. Uh, you know, just Johnny Gardner and I were talking about this earlier this afternoon as far as, you know, how they're positionless and they have length at every position and uh, really can cause some some problems um, in, in a variety of ways and with how they defend you and then also um, with um, the challenges that prevents uh, offensively when, when you're defending them. But um, – yeah. No doubt. And uh, we'll go ahead and we mentioned what Ezra Saar did, 25 points, eight rebounds. We'll take a look at the other individual numbers and a little bit more about Ezra's line. Uh, Ezra was nine out of 12 from the floor uh, in 38 minutes. Uh, you, you had uh, two other Pirates in double figures, R.J. Felton. 15 points and six rebounds on the surface. That doesn't sound like a, a bad afternoon at all, but uh, RJ just five out of 19 from the floor uh, in 32 minutes. Um, pretty crazy there. I'm, uh, I would imagine that's a season high and probably a career high with 19 shot attempts for RJ Felton. Uh, you had Kim Hayes we uh, the other night on overtime following the victory at Temple. I talked about how hopefully Kim Hayes would build on that performance in, in which he knocked down three trifectas in five attempts, um, and he was able to do just that in 23 minutes yesterday against SMU, 12 points, five out of seven from the floor, two out of three from beyond the arc, another solid outing for, for Kim. Uh, you had Bobby Pettiford in 21 minutes, just three shot attempts. Uh, he made one of those two points and three rebounds and just one assist for Bobby Pettiford. And we talked about essentially no production from the bench. The good news is Jaden Walker played 25 minutes. And the bad news is uh, just two points from Jaden. Uh, he, he did a um, nice job pulling down seven rebounds. And then uh, you had Caleb LeCount. His three points came in the final minute and a half of the game. So, you know, the Pirates – Essentially, you know, had two bench points if you want to look at it that way uh, when when the game was in doubt. But um, great to see Jaden Walker play substantial minutes for the first time in a while. Yeah, absolutely. And like some of the things that jump out at me when you look at those statistics, I mean, you look at Felton, if you could just leave those up there for a minute. Um, five for 19, you know, and but it's not like he was taking bad shots. I mean, those are shots he normally takes every game. But again, when you're six four, and he's he's Felton is a is a freakish athlete. I mean, he can jump out of the gym, but 
when you're six four and you're being defended by a guy who's six eight and can also jump out of the gym, it's tough to get those shots off. And that's what you saw yesterday. He just couldn't get a clean look. Um, and then Pettiford, 21 minutes, only three field goal attempts. You know, uh, same for him. He struggled with their length um, to even get shots off. So, like, to me, that was the story of the game. SMU just makes things so tough defensively. But you look at what we did. I mean, again, we – this East Carolina team is outstanding defensively. I mean, you give up 74, 75 points to SMU. That's not a bad day defensively. That's very solid. Um, I mean, you look at, like, Memphis today. They just – put up 112 on Wichita. I don't even know if that game's over yet. But um, the, the issue with this team continues to be, can we can we score down the stretch? Do we have enough offensive, offensive prowess to beat these really good teams? And, um, you know, it's not quite there yet. And to your point, uh, yes, the, the Shockers uh, were defeated by the Memphis Tigers 112. 86 today and that and that one was at Wichita so uh, no Wichita State does not have one of their better teams they're in a year of transition uh, with a new regime but still you know I would I'm gonna have to dive into the record books and see the last time they got beat by 26 at home yeah definitely I mean that's way too many points to give up uh when you're at home so um Definitely something to look out for when we play Wichita later in the season. But, um, you know, one more thing, Bob, and I'm sure you're going to mention this, is is the free throw shooting for East Carolina. 16 of 25 last night at 64%. You know, conversely, Memphis – or, I'm sorry, SMU, 92%. Again, that's just not going to get it done against a really good team. You're going to have to knock down free throws at a higher percentage than that. Yeah, and while we're at it, um, since you brought that up, we'll go ahead and run through those team numbers. Um, SMU, 43.5% from the floor, 27 out of 62. Uh, East Carolina also had 62 shot attempts. The Pirates made 23 of those for uh, 37.1%. Field goal percentage, um, ECU, as Matt already referenced, uh, compared to – Nine made threes for SMU. ECU just had two, so the Pirates were outscored by 21 points uh, from the three-point line, uh, which is very significant, obviously, and uh, that's something that Coach Schwartz also referenced in his post-game remarks, that 27-6 to six, uh, scoring margin from three-point range. Um, and then you had – SMU 12 out of 13 from the line, ECU just 16 out of 25. So we got there a lot, uh, didn't have our best night. Not, um, you know, if you make two or three more, then that's not bad. You know, they're in the mid 70s, but 64% isn't going to get it done, especially against an opponent the caliber of SMU. The Mustangs 40 to 37 on the boards. And like you said, these numbers can be misleading. uh, You, you heard Coach Schwartz reference what an issue it was. Nine out of those 14 offensive rebounds for SMU came in the first half um, for the game. ECU out-rebounded the Mustangs 17-14, to 14, which was very surprising to me. Um, and I'd say that, uh, you know, we did continue to uh, get after it there in the second half. And uh, we and we did, um, as Coach Schwartz uh, mentioned, 
uh, following the game, um, do our best to uh, kind of use that. And since we weren't having our best night shooting, um, get on the glass and uh, and get some putback opportunities to slice that 18 point deficit uh, down to a working margin where you had uh, the opportunity to have a re- realistic chance at a comeback in the uh, final five, six minutes of the game. And you got it down to nine or 10 on a couple of occasions, but weren't able to get it any closer. Um, then also a number that was not surprising. SMU shared the basketball very well, uh, oftentimes passing up a good shot for a great shot, making that extra pass. SMU 16 assists compared to just six for the Pirates. Yeah, absolutely. When you know when your assists are that low, that means you're, you you weren't able to effectively move the ball. You know your ball movement wasn't there, and and it was just an issue all night. Um, you know, but you know, I think you know you referenced Mike Schwartz after the game, his post his post game comments. I mean, he 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 everything that we're saying, he he saw the same thing, and uh, you know he he's all over it and. You know, I thought he did a really good job trying to trying to do some different things last night. Um, you know, in particular on defense, he really tried to give a variety of looks going from man to zone and then back to man. But, um, you know, just just a, a little overwhelmed at times by by their athleticism. The stat that surprises me there, though, Bubba, more than any is when you look at points in the paint. You know, if you had watched that game, you would not have expected to see that you know east carolina having a 10 point difference uh in points in the paint so um that's that's definitely a a more positive stat there yeah 36 points in the paint for the pirates compared to just 26 for smu in um in the mustangs obviously more than made up for that discrepancy uh, with their uh, nine three-pointers that they made on the afternoon and then um each team had 12 turnovers. Seven of those for the Pirates came in the first half, uh, many of which led to fast break opportunities for SMU. And then um, another number I found interesting, a ton of blocked shots in, in this one, 13 combined, eight for SMU, five for East Carolina. And that, again, you know, speaks to the, the length and athleticism of the Mustangs. Yeah, absolutely. and. Um... You know, Bob, what were your thoughts? I mean, if you look down the stretch, the last several minutes of the game, Mike Mike Schwartz elected to go with LeCount and Walker over Hayes and Pettiford. And I think, in my opinion, he was just trying to get the best defensive team on the floor there. Um, but, but again, it's a challenge because now you're taking two of your better offensive players off the floor. Um, but I thought LeCount handled himself really well defensively in that game. What were your thoughts on that, just kind of going down the stretch? Wasn't surprised to see Jaden Walker with the increased minutes. I was a little surprised to see see LeCount as opposed to, to Pettiford. And and without going back and looking at the box score, um, let me – trying to see here if as far as the foul situation. Yeah, Bobby Pettiford finished the game with two fouls, so it's not like it was a situation playing uh, – playing Caleb over Bobby due to foul trouble or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, it's just, it makes it so tough. I mean, LeCount, he brings that defensive intensity, but offensively, 
with his size, it's just so tough for him to get a clean look. So I, I don't know what you what you can possibly do about that. Also, you know, I'd really like to see Malanga start to get some more minutes. Um, yeah. Just just moving forward, just on a regular basis, because he brings the you know some size. He brings he brings that factor, and uh, I think he can help us more down low. I'm a little surprised he's not getting more, you know, more of a run. What do you think? I agree, um, but uh, I'm trying to remember if it was after yesterday's game or one of the pregame press conferences here recently. But uh, in the last few days, Coach Schwartz uh, referenced um, just that Sear and the, the other guys that aren't getting minutes right now that, uh, you know, he, he just was simply not comfortable, uh, you know, with, with them playing uh, for, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's um, practice habits or just failure to execute um, in practice, you know, but uh, yeah, hopefully that will be able to change moving forward. And I, I do know um, he was, complimentary of Callum Richard uh, in the few minutes that he was able to give us up in Philly at Temple because he was coming off of what about a three, four week stretch where he hadn't played in a game. But um, he said he was pleasantly surprised with the way he was able to contribute those few minutes of action he received. Yeah. I think both of those, those bigs, those young bigs have a chance. I mean, Callum Richard's pretty sturdy defensively. I think he's got a good head for the game and then sear brings i think a little more of like an athletic presence um but you know I, I i just like the idea of getting those guys more minutes because um you're gonna just come into games where you need bigs on the floor and when you're pulling you know i think uh, you know another factor for the team is when your best shooter is your five you know brandon johnson spends most of his time on the perimeter that takes away one of your bigs from offensive rebounding. So just something to look for, you know, moving forward. But, uh, you know, hope, hopefully those guys can, you know, start to get more minutes. Yeah, with with SMU uh, being so potent offensively and and we talked about their versatility and being able to play positionless basketball, so to speak, and with Sierra Malonga, you know, not being – as developed offensively, uh, I can definitely see why he didn't get minutes yesterday uh, from a matchup standpoint. But I um, wanted to go to some of our comments here on uh, YouTube and Facebook. I have several folks, Justin Butts, Johnny Gardner, Johnny Robertson, William Landon chiming in. Uh, let's start off with uh, Johnny Gardner. And Johnny, going back to uh, the rebounding issue that we discussed, um, and Coach Schwartz really emphasized during yesterday's post game. He's Johnny said we were prepared for the long caroms uh, against Temple. They they shoot a lot of threes. Was part of the game plan. Need, need to be able to make adjustments on the fly. In his opinion, what's up, Johnny? Yeah, I mean we. That's a really good point. And um, you know you could see there were so many long rebounds yesterday that they had off of missed threes. It's a real problem for this team, and you could tell Mike Schwartz was visibly upset in the press conference after the game be just because of that. If nothing else, he was visibly upset about that. So, yeah, I mean, I think Johnny makes a great point, and, you know, you have to clean it up. You have to find a way to get in front of your man and get a box 
um, especially against that length. William Landon um, referenced uh, what we discussed uh, just a little bit earlier as far as the essentially no bench production the Pirates have received in the last five games. ECU, William uh, has just has received five or, or fewer bench points in four out of the last five games. Um, that exception was against Florida Atlantic. The Pirates had about 20, maybe 22 points off the bench against the Owls, but um, essentially nothing in four out of the last five games. And and then uh, Johnny Robertson said he was surprised with LeCount's minutes as well, but the Pirates were plus four when he was on the floor. And um, that that um, after digging the early deficit, that we actually outscored SMU and that uh, this is the first game under Mike Schwartz where no Pirate had more than one assist. Yeah, really good points by William. And, um, you know, obviously there. Um, but, you know, again, I think Pettiford was not able to get into the paint at all. And, um you know, when you can't get into the paint, you have nobody to kick it out to. I think they did a really good job of just keeping everything based on the perimeter there for our guards and just couldn't get anything going. Couldn't get any ball movement, couldn't get any assists. So really good points there. Very quickly on the scoring for SMU, um, the Mustangs, like I mentioned earlier, shot 43.5% from the floor, 9 out of 26 from three. But individually they had three guys in – Double figures led by the talented guard, Zurich Phelps. Uh, he had 17 points, uh, four out of six from the floor, two out of four from three. Uh, and then you had Harris. Harris had 14 and eight, uh, also knocked down a couple threes. And then Smith came off the bench, finished with 10 points and three rebounds to lead SMU. Uh, and then let's go ahead and take a look uh, around the American at some of the other results from yesterday as well as today, we referenced that 112 to 86 win that Memphis had out at Wichita State. But um, but before we do that, um, wanted to take a moment to plug one of our new sponsors, and that is Ed Watkins Marine. Really appreciate Big Ed's support of the show. I know Matt, uh, you you played with Ed back in the the nineties under Coach Logan there in the the mid nineties and. Uh, Big Ed, quite the character, you know, so much success in NASCAR. Um, got out of that here in the, in the last two or three years, but um, really appreciate Big Ed supporting the show. And, you know, when you take a look at Ed Watkins Marine, they have two locations to serve you. They're located in Denver and Cornelius, North Carolina, which is, of course, the greater Charlotte area of our state. He has fishing boats, pleasure boats, pontoon boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, uh, engines, UTVs, you name it. He has all the brands you're seeking. Pro, Suncatcher Pontoons and Tritoons, Stingray, Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, uh, Vexus, Bass Boats, Explorer, Skiffs, and more. So give Big Ed a call. Uh, you, you can reach him uh, at his Denver location, 704-483-BOAT or at his Cornelius store, 704-498-4985. Again, the Cornelius store, 704-498-4985. And uh, you know, whether you're looking for a new boat or to repower your existing boat, Ed Watkins Marine can help meet you 
help you meet your boating needs, excuse me, uh, visit him online at edwatkinsmarine.com. And we appreciate Big Ed's support of the show. Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, really happy to see Big Ed uh, contributing and, and being a sponsor for the show. You know, he's a great guy. I mean, Ed was a great teammate. Uh, obviously, a lot of success in his life with his NASCAR career. Um, now, obviously, with Ed Watkins Marine, great guy. Ed is a, definitely a true pirate. I mean, he loves the East Carolina Pirates and, uh, you know, really happy to have Ed as a sponsor moving forward. So, uh, so this is great. Yep. And again, edwatkinsmarine.com. Um, give Big Ed a call uh, for all of your boating needs. Now, taking a look at the American School Board, uh, going back to Saturday, uh, in, in addition to the Pirates and Mustangs, uh, you had the Charlotte 49ers, and they took down UTSA. Um, 49ers improving to 9-7, and 3-1 and one in the American right there at the top of the league standings uh, with Memphis and FAU. Um, the 49ers, 66. Uh, the Roadrunners, 58. That game was in San Antonio. Uh, the 49ers were led by Jackson. Uh, he had 17 points, and UTSA was led by Ivy Curry, um, their talented guard, who finished with 20 points. Next up for the Pirates is, of course, North Texas, the Eagles, a.k.a. the Mean Green. Um, North Texas blew out Temple last night out in Denton. Uh, they defeated the Owls 69-51, to led by 10 at halftime, and then rolled to that 18-point victory over the struggling Temple Owls. And now North Texas um, is or remains undefeated in league play like the Memphis Tigers, who improved to 4-0 uh, today. Um, the Mean Green is 3-0 and um, as they look to keep pace with Memphis. Yeah, Bubba, and that really highlights that, you know, when you look at this league, it's there's so much balance and so much – so many good teams. You have to – if you're East Carolina, you're going to have to bring it every night. And you're going to have to – obviously, the strength of this team is defense. You're going to really have to lean on that. You, you need to make sure your defense is on point. And, you know, that that's first and foremost. But, you know, what's going to come down, I really think it's there's going to be probably six or seven games here in the second half of the season that when you look back, they're going to come down to free throw shooting. Can this team – knock down free throws you know can they um can they do enough offensively just to keep pace because i think these games are going to be very close the defense is going to give us a chance but we're going to have to do the little things to actually win these games and there's no reason why we can't this team is very talented and um you know we have we have some some pretty dynamic players on this team we just need to score points yeah that's that's going to be the question whether the Pirates are, uh, especially without Quentin DeBunchet, as we've said ad nauseum throughout this show, you know, no margin for error. So you can't, as crazy it is to say, you know, have a, a game where Brandon Johnson scores five points. Um, fortunately, yesterday you did have Cam Hayes uh, continue to play well and shoot the ball well. Um, because had that not been the case, it could have really uh, turned ugly. Yeah, it was good to see Cam Hayes get going a little bit. You know, he it's been a tough adjustment for him, clearly. 
coming in in the middle of the season, that's really hard to do in basketball because it's such a rhythm sport. And, you know, you could tell he, he was really struggling with his confidence there. And so you've seen the last few games he's been able to knock down some threes. Hopefully that'll bring him out of it a little bit because we're going to need his scoring uh, down the stretch. So good to see him get going. I think right now for him it's just more of a confidence thing where, you know, he, he, he didn't play for a long time. So he's trying to find his way and get into his rhythm, and uh, I, think, I think he'll be all right. I talk about how the 13th-ranked Memphis Tigers are 4-0 now in the American atop the league standings, 15-2 and overall. Um, heck of a year thus far, and we'll see how they finish it off in the second half in, um, in the NCAA tournament for Penny Hardaway and the Tigers. Uh, right now, um, you have Tulsa and Tulane doing battle out in Tulsa. Um, the Green Wave and Golden Hurricane are knotted at 19, um, nine minutes into that one. And then earlier this afternoon, you had 24th-ranked Florida Atlantic the 13 and four Owls improved to three and one in the American with an 86 to 73 win over 10 and six, two and one UAB. And that one was taking place down in Boca. So you, you had Davis, the, um, I believe it's John L. Davis, um, the very talented guard uh, for Florida Atlantic, finished with 30 uh, and eight rebounds in that one to lead the Owls. The team can be in so many different ways. Um, really, really talented offensive team. And then they obviously have the big man, the seven-footer, who gives you a lot of challenges down low. So they're starting to really come together here at the midpoint, Bubba. And then Memphis, obviously, you just watch them play. So talented. Uh, obviously, Penny's done a great job recruiting there, so they can be in a lot of different ways. And um, it's really a pretty stacked league. It is. Um, very competitive. And uh, even the teams at the bottom of the standings, such as a UTSA or, or a Tulsa, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, Memphis struggle to beat both of those teams and winning by one possession uh, at the FedEx Forum, I believe, in each instance uh, against Tulsa on the last second three. And then UTSA needed overtime to beat the Roadrunners. I believe that was uh, Wednesday night. So uh, that was that speaks to you know, just the league's uh, league's depth and it's going to be interesting to see how things play out you certainly think that it will probably be either um, Memphis or FAU and then maybe even you can have a program like North Texas who's had so much success in recent years sneak in there and I wouldn't count Tulane out either uh, I know they're one and two right now but the green wave, um, we'll see if they can play up to their potential. And they definitely had the ability to, to score very well um, with that lineup that Ron Hunter's assembled. Oh, no doubt about it. They can light it up. I mean, you have the, the teams you just mentioned there, FAU, Memphis, SMU, Tulane. I mean, these are these are really good teams. So, But, hey, th this is what I love about college basketball, Bubba is that th this is what makes college basketball so great. If you bring your A game, if you're prepared to play, if you shoot the ball well, you know, you can beat anybody on, on a given night. And, uh, 
you know, I, I just hope that, you know, the Pirates can find some offense here down the stretch. But, uh, I mean, you see it all the time. You know, you saw UCF the other night, uh, big home victory against Kansas. You know, nobody would have predicted that. Um, you know, so, so you see it all around the country. And, and how about this? The dynamic guard. Mikey Williams, Bubba, who who had committed to Penny Hardaway out of high school, was committed to Memphis. Went through. He was arrested last year. I'm not. I don't remember what the story was, but uh, he just entered his name into the portal and then committed to UCF. So big week for uh, for the Knights down there in Orlando. I knew you didn't. Obviously in the Big Twelve now, but still worth mentioning. Oh, definitely. Uh... Because it uh, involves obviously a, an American team in Memphis, and him him uh, leaving that program. I had seen that he'd entered the portal. Did not know that he had landed with UCF. Um, but we have probably another three to five minutes uh, remaining on the show. So you know, get your comments in as we'll be wrapping it up shortly. Um, but um, before we do so, let's take a take a look ahead uh, and what the Pirates have this upcoming week. Uh, you have first uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock tip-off on ESPN Plus against North Texas. Uh, would have to go back and check to see if these programs have met down through the years. I want to say they have, but it's been an awfully long time. Uh, but uh, we'll be interesting to see what the record book says there. But the Pirates, 9-8, and 2-2 two and two in the American, taking on 10-5. and five. 3 and 0 North Texas and um, a, a little about the the Eagles um, who were probably more frequently referred to as the Mean Green um, North Texas is led by Aaron Scott, Jason Edwards, CJ Nolan and Reuben Jones um, those uh, four guys you know take roughly 70 to 75% of their shots um, Aaron Scott he's He's a 6'7 junior, averaging 12, 12 points and six rebounds. Um, then you have Jason Edwards, who who um, actually leads the team, uh, nearly 17 a game. Um, he's made 38 threes, uh, shooting a little over 38%. So he's shot a high volume, um, 99 three-point attempts, and has converted on 38 of those for the six-foot Jason Edwards, the sophomore. And uh, in last night against Temple, uh, he, he knocked down three trifectas and had 16 points in that 18-point win over the Owls. Um, C.J. Nolan, he's an Oklahoma transfer, a 6'4 junior, averaging nine a game. Um, he's shooting it at a 41% clip from three, but uh, just 39 attempts. So he's, he's only attempting about two or three trifectas uh, each time out uh, and one of the themes throughout this North Texas roster is transfers you know whether it's a guy that's been in the program or um, they're in their first year they are in Denton uh, you have another guy to to contend with is Oklahoma State and TCU transfer Rondell Walker uh, most recently he was at TCU uh, during last season Played in 30 games for the Horned Frogs, um, just starting five. And then the previous two seasons, he had played in nearly 60 games for Oklahoma State. 
uh, averaging eight and three and then five and two and a half for the Cowboys in those two seasons uh, while starting 15 games. And uh, they also have a, another transfer guard um, who started 30 games for UTSA a year ago. So interesting there, you know, Portal, portal, portal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, portal, listen. portal, portal. And then you have a guy uh, from UTSA transferring in state and, as it turns out, you know, within conference to uh, North Texas and John Bugs third, a 6'2 guard who had started his career at UMass prior to transferring to UTSA. Yeah, I mean, you just see, like, the instant impact that these teams around the country are getting from the portal and I'm telling you, this might not be a popular opinion. At East Carolina, 80% of my recruiting would be in the portal. I might bring in, at most, two high school players a year. But um, I think it's easier to recruit than ever. And that, that might be, that might be uh, against what a lot of people think. But the way this portal is now, you can go out and find good players right away that are developed, that have some experience, and, uh, you know, Johnny Gardner, that's what it's all about, Matt. Easiest sport to make some noise. We just need to push through it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, man, the, this portal is – it's given teams around the country an opportunity to elevate their game right away. And a, another portal piece on this one in the in the low post is making, making uh, his presence known uh, for – UNT, and that is Robert Allen, the uh, 6'9", 225-pound senior forward. Uh, he began his career at Samford, and during his time with the Bulldogs, 10-8 and eight as a true freshman, and then 14-7. and seven. And then, and he's a six-year guy, uh, I guess COVID and perhaps an injury or maybe uh, – but very interesting. He's a six-year guy, two years at Sanford, three years at Ole Miss during his time uh, with the Rebels. Um, certainly made a significant impact as well. And I believe so he's like your standard. He's like your standard BYU football player. He's like yeah, thirty years old with kids. Um, yeah, I get it. You're seeing more and more of that. And. And now with the, the mean green, he's averaging six points and eight rebounds per game. So, uh, yeah, very um, interesting lineup. And this is a program that's used to having a whole lot of success as they were they were in the NIT a season ago. And I'd have to go back and check. I think that they made uh, Johnny Gardner. I know, uh, obviously, you had the name Johnny Hoops for a reason. And with that being the case, remind me of exactly – the damage they did in the NIT last year, I think they had some success. But, uh, you know, wh while we're uh, waiting on Johnny or anyone else to chime in uh, before we wrap things up, um, definitely follow us on social media. We're available, you know, pretty much on all social media platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, when you when you subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, you know, be sure to click that notification bell. When you click the notification bell, be sure to click all. That way, anytime we go live or upload new content, you're alerted on your device. And also, we're available on Facebook, as many of you are viewing there right now. On Facebook, like and follow. And then on X, it's at the Sports OBJ. And then TikTok and Instagram. We can be found at the Sports Objective. So, 
like, follow, comment, subscribe on all of those platforms, and we would greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Bubba, I know we have a minute or two here left. Uh, shifting gears for just a, just briefly here, um, did you have a chance to watch the Kansas City-Miami football playoff game last night, which was about negative 24 degrees with the wind chill factor? Yeah, I saw probably about a, I don't know, probably five to ten game minutes of that one. Had to tune in for at least a little. I was at my sister-in-law's 40th birthday party. You know, we had the TV on, so that's the reason I wasn't a little more locked into that one. But uh, definitely had to check it out some with the negative three or colder temperatures and then the real feel being down there in the mid negative 20s and pretty crazy. And I know you and I were talking about that. I said, and you you made the comment about how fun it would be to play in those conditions. I said, I would have certainly had sleeves on there. <laughs> I was I was just about to ask you, would you be a sleeve guy or, or a guy that, that rolls out with a T-shirt? Yeah, definitely, definitely a sleeve guy. <laughs> I don't, I don't have much body fat for insulation and uh, warmth, <laughs> warmth there. And it was funny on social media. Hats off to Clip Brock for this. Um, you know, he kind of reached out to different generations and different positions and sides of the ball um, because he he talked to Jack Powers, who obviously was a linebacker for the Pirates this year. Then he also mm-hmm. talked to Jason Nichols, you know, who we've had on the program that did an excellent job breaking down the action this year for Pirate Radio. He sure and did, yeah. Looking to get back into coaching. But Jay Nick uh, said, he said, Clip, he said, Mama didn't raise no fool. He said, I'd have on two pairs of sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Nick did do a really good job this year. Um, you know, that I'll tell you, man, I Patrick Mahomes' helmet cracked in half last night. That had to be that had to have something to do with the with the cold weather. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a helmet actually crack in half. Um, I don't know if you caught that part of it. I think it happened. I like did not. Uh, yeah, I, I would think that you're correct. That, that probably had something to do with the the weather, uh, undoubtedly. But uh, no, I was not aware of that. Yeah, I mean, you can go back and watch it on on, on YouTube highlights. But he took a little hit to the front right on top of his face mask and a huge chunk of the helmet flew off and the helmet actually cracked in half and they didn't catch it for probably three or four more plays. Eventually the official stepped in and uh, made sure that they brought out a replacement helmet for him. And then the helmet didn't quite fit and he was going back on back and forth with helmets for a while. But uh, man, I just wanted to bring it up because I'm not a huge NFL fan by any stretch, but there's something about the cold weather games when it snows or when it's freezing like that um, that I love to watch. And it's just true gladiator sports. So I enjoyed it. Obviously, the, the guys from Miami weren't uh, able to handle it as well as Kansas City, but uh, fun game to watch. And Johnny Gardner, as I knew he would, comes through with the info concerning last year's NIT that um, – not only did you have North Texas, but you had UAB, two programs new to the American. They uh, did battle squaring off in that NIT final following the 22-23 season. Mm. We got Johnny and Johnny. The two Johnnies always come through with some good stats, man. Yeah. Johnny Gardner and Johnny Robertson. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. 
Johnny Stats on Johnny Robertson is um, as he's known with Pirate Radio and Johnny Stats, and then uh, Johnny Gardner, um, Johnny Hoops, uh, if you will, here on the program. But um, you know, Matt, before we get out of here, do you, do you have anything else? Uh, no, you know, man, I think there might've been one more. Was there another comment there from Frankie? I'm not sure. I thought. I thought yeah. I he, Frankie said, and he said, need more bigs. He said, need yeah. a seven footer that's aggressive at the basket. Yeah. No doubt about it. Frankie, um, obviously hard to find at East Carolina, but, um, you know, just got to keep, just got to keep, uh, in my opinion, working the portal and, and maybe one of those guys will present themselves, but yeah, we're, we could use one bad. If you're watching us, yeah, I say, Bubba, that's it. That's all I had. Uh, Hopefully, we can get a win against North Texas. Yeah, appreciate that, William. Great show, fellas. Always enjoy y'all's insight. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in and chiming in as you always do, as well as you know several others throughout the show. And if you're watching us live right now, uh, be sure to tune in tonight. And we'll be talking about the Pirates' success in the transfer portal, picking up a few new portal pieces over the weekend. And I will talk about the, the previous portal additions in the first portal period there in December. And then we'll take a look at what the pirates were able to add this weekend as they added a couple pieces on the defensive side of the ball and potentially more uh, with some, some unnecessary help along the offensive line. Can't wait to talk about that. I mean, this this is really exciting, the, the caliber of player we're bringing in, and um, a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, no doubt um, exactly what um, the Pirate program needed coming off such a disappointing 2-10 and 10 season where um, it was just the same old, same old most weeks where you had excellent defense and horrendous offense. But we know that's going to be different uh, this year. That uh, whatever the case, uh, we'll see how much improvement the Pirates make. But I will not be surprised if it can be a fairly significant improvement, and it'll it'll need to be uh, in order for the Pirates to have the season that we all want them to have, um, going from a two-win team to hopefully, uh, you know, a eight, nine, or or more. And uh, who, who knows? Uh, Maybe we can have the season that Tulane had a couple years ago uh, where the Tulane Green Wave went from two wins to 12 wins. And um, you can only imagine what Greenville, North Carolina would be like in Pirate Nation if that were to happen. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, hey, we, we had a defense in place already. So, so it, it's not like it's completely out of the cards to go win seven or eight games next year if – if the players, in, in particular the quarterback, pans out, or I should say quarterbacks pan out um, and be the players we think they can be, but um, you know it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. And you know I think you know we're going to have a lot more players to add to even after spring ball. So um, we're going to have a lot to talk about on that show. We definitely will. Well, that would do it for this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime. Again. Appreciate the support of Ed Watkins Marine, our newest sponsor here on the show, the title sponsor of Absolute Empowerment with former East Carolina strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors. I know Coach Connors greatly appreciates the support of his former student athlete, Ed Watkins, 
and what Ed Watkins Marine will do for the program throughout 2024. Yes, it may be mid-January now, but before you know it, as we know, the North Carolina weather um, here in the next two to three months, it will be warm enough for the people for people to get out on the water and then um, you can do some fishing. And so give Ed Watkins Marine a call, 704-483-BOAT at their Denver store or 704-498-4985 at their Cornelius location, and they can meet all of your boating needs. But for Matt Semenza, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective Again, SMU defeated East Carolina on Saturday afternoon, 75-64. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Sports Objective. As always, go Pirates. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.